This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your need-to-know financial podcast. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, Talk Money To Me is a podcast in which we chat about the markets, current factors that are influencing the markets, and we hear from experts in our industry. We also love to bring you some investable ideas to consider. That's right. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. It's our favorite episode, and it sounds like it's our listeners as well. It's the order pad. So being new to the show, again, welcome if you are. The order pad is all about bringing you investable and stock ideas to consider to the portfolio, whether it's a completely new idea, maybe we're reviewing, selling or buying more. Now, before we get into all of that, please remember our chat today is not considered personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shore and Partners. As always, this podcast is and content we discussed is general in nature and does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content is very much general in nature, like I mentioned, and go out and seek your own professional advice before you make your decisions. We're recording this on the 25th of October, so all the facts are known at that time of recording. That's right. So let's kick off our chat today about the markets and opportunities we're seeing. Firstly, we want to jump into market sentiments of capital markets right now. So I'll kick it off with the bullish talking points for the week. So Powell takeaways leaned a bit more dovish, noting significant FCI tightening suggests the Fed may need to do less at the margin. Uh, consumer resilience and the broader soft off, no landing narratives underpinned by stronger September retail sales data. I think we're sick of hearing soft, no landing, hard landing. I know. <laughs> it's old news. Let's just land and move That's on, right? It. Exactly. <laughs> now, despite hotter September Q3 growth and good news is bad news concerns for stocks. Uh, so there's some pushback on out quarter extrapolation with beige book downgrades of economic assessment and higher profile corporate macro commentary, which is contrarian buy signal for risk assets from, I guess, the extreme bearishness, 1.9 reading on the latest BOFA, BOFA, bull and bear indicator. Then you've got DXY, softer despite renewed pressure on longer term yields and geopolitical tensions. There's some healthcare names downplayed concerns about meaningful impact from the GLP-1 obesity drugs, which is talked about in all of the news right now, while PNG Beat showed more pockets of staples also cushioned from the GLP-1 fallout. Now elsewhere, TMSC noted early signs of demand stabilisation in PC and smartphones and actually expects chip market to bottom very soon, while JB Hunt saw positive inflection in the intramodal volumes despite lingering freight recession. Uh, you've got Microsoft, Netflix, AT&T and SAP were some of the earnings standouts. A bit of M&A and shareholder activist headlines continue to pick up and very important for the Australian
Australian uh, market and economy, there's more China policy support via liquidity injections and local government debt rollover requests. So all in all, there's quite a few bullish talking points at the moment. Uh, Candice, what about in the bear camp today? There's always points for the bulls and there's always points for the bears, hey? So on the bear camp uh, this week, there's obviously renewed upward pressure on the long-term yields for the 10 years, just shy of 5%. That was around Thursday, Friday last week. So the market continues to struggle with this repricing higher for longer. We've talked about this a lot, higher for longer and the FIC tightening also exacerbating concerns around the lagged effects of the rate height cycle. Um, so all of this, you know, really feeds back to there's going to be potentially more resilience in the U.S., you know, backdrop and growth looking forward. While Powell leaned dovish, like you noted, uh, he also left it super open. The doors open for more hikes, as he always does. Geopolitical tensions are continuing to flare up while strategists um, offered unusual pushback against the meaningful impact of risk assets. So it's tougher really in terms of the whole trade out there in the market. You know, you've got deglobalization trends, higher oil. This is all impacting equities, as we know. Key earnings um, beat rate metrics saw a big decline from last week and fell below longer term averages. So that's important to note. You were talking about some some beats in terms of equities like Microsoft, but other high-profiling earnings were disappointments such as Tesla, ASML, Morgan Stanley, Blackstone, the list goes on. The White House announced new restrictions on chip exports to China. So that's obviously a bit of um, a concern, you know, dampening the broader AI tailwind and driving speculation around the retaliation, delaying Broadcom's VMware acquisition potentially. Um, and then finally, the White House and, and Washington, really, there's a lot of uncertainty as Republicans are still unable to elect the new House Speaker. And as we know, Felicity, markets hate uncertainty. So we've got to sort that out, right? So lots of points in both camps. I still think we're really going through the eye of the storm, potentially. So we'll just see how the next couple of um, you know big reports in the US come out. That's it. But when we are going through the eye of the storm, there's definitely some really good investable ideas and very good opportunities. So the recent market sell-off has been presenting a lot of these great long-term buying opportunities. Yeah, it has. So CB, what investable idea are you liking at the moment? Yeah. So like just quickly on that, before I go into the idea that we measure the market nervousness and you would have maybe heard this from the VIX index, which if you look in the past month with all of this backdrop really ramping up, it's up 12% to like 18, 19 levels. Now that's not a lot. That's only like a two point move, but this is indicating there's sellers in the market it's really presenting good buying opportunities. We argue for quality long-term businesses and assets. You can either look at the selling opportunity in the market as, hey, let's put a new idea into the portfolio or top up existing positions that you have convictions still in. So for my investable idea, guys, I want to actually look at the ladder and revisit an old stock on the order pad. It's Elders. So it's one of the largest agricultural diversified companies here on the ASX. The code is ELD. I originally pitched this stock idea back in April 2022, feels like a lifetime ago, and the share price um, was a lot higher than it is now, trading around $14.20 per share. Year to date, the stock's been sold off massively, about 40%, so that's not great. Ouch. Big ouch, 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 like falling down the stairs here at the moment. The share price is around 6 bucks or so as we're chatting today. 
So big sell-off, as I've acknowledged, and if you've owned the stock for some time, you're underwater. You know, full disclosure, I personally own this company in my own portfolio, and I've been topping up the position over time. Dollar cost averaging has been my friend, so I'm down about roughly 35-40% as we speak. So let me unpack what's been going on since, uh, you know, basically early last year. If we wind back the clock to May 2022, Elders delivered a really strong first half 22 uh, earnings report. Revenue was at $1.5 billion, which was up about 37% on the same period, about 5% ahead of pretty much all forecasts. Winding back the clock, gross margin was great. EBIT was up 80%, dividends per share were up 40%, um, and return on investor capital was up 27%, which was materially higher for the previous period of 20%. So overall, elders back then had a really strong financial performance, and the result was that the business was improving, there was growth initiative and excellent conditions set for the Australian agricultural sector. Yeah, I recall on that day of reporting, the stock did very well. Correct. So the stock rallied actually like 8% on the day, um, but it was overshadowed by the uncertainty created around the heavy rainfall at that time in some cropping regions and the managing director's decision to retire within 12 months, that was announced which, you know, he'd obviously been in the company for 10 years. So Yeah, that was really interesting. And I think what's also really interesting is the large swings in such a blue chip business. I know. Right? This is the market that we're in. And and remember, this is 2022 last year when it was just way out of control, right? So for me and like what we were watching at that time, I remember us chatting like the MD's decision to retire was disappointing news. But also, you know, he had built the business um, that can survive and thrive without him. The market didn't really appreciate that and they were just, you know, really disappointed on Mark being on the way out, set to retire before the 14th of November 2023. And over the last eight years, Elder's underlying EBIT had grown significantly, like circa 30% per annum under Mark's leadership. And the return on investor capital had increased impressively also from 11% to around 26%. So clearly there was a key person risk here for the board. And Elder's successful strategy had really been driven by Mark um, being in the MD seat since 2014. So the risk that the market kind of really clung on to and I guess anchored to this was their failure to secure an adequate replacement before that D-Day, which was November 2023. Um, and that's that was really factored in, hence the stock was sold off um, along with other factors. You know, the crop season was getting a little bit weaker, but it was really overdone in my opinion. And I guess final point here is in hindsight, perhaps they shouldn't have made the announcement as early as they had, perhaps, you know, getting closer to the date or once they found a replacement for his retirement. Yeah, I mean, maybe once they'd find a replacement for his uh, retirement would be a good idea. But like you said earlier, he did set the company up with his eight-point plan uh, so that it could be taken over. Um, So aside from the management change uh, that's coming, how's the business holding up now? Yeah, well, so if we again go back, you know, that management issue was, was a big thing at the time when it was flagged and also conditions were flagging. So 
the elders' first half 2023 results are now winding the clock forward. They were adversely impacted by a decline in demand for the price of cattle in a line with softening international markets, subdued demand for sheep. There were floods across the East Coast and northwest parts of Australia. There were high volumes of on-farm storage, which we know is an issue, um, and decreasing prices for fertilizers. So it was a tougher beginning of the new calendar year that we're in now, um, but it still looked not too bad. You know, in its outlook, elders stated demand for agricultural commodities was anticipated to be more favourable trading towards the second half of FY23, so where we are now. Now I've really brought the clock forward. So we were also waiting as a market, as in shareholders, for the CEO transition, which was set to um, be announced in July 2023, how they were going. But before this deadline, boom, 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 the company came out and announced that Mark Allison was staying on as MD, which is a good outcome I think it's an ideal outcome for elders its customers its employees its investors like us because Mark had deep experience and understanding of elders and the agricultural um, sectors both domestically and globally plus its full you know uh, diversified suite of revenue income streams and it's a continued you know outcome I think for elders. And do we know how long Mark will now remain? Yeah, well, the way they structured Mark's remuneration, it looks like he's staying at least put until June next year, 2024, or even as far as June 2025, because the company um, also added that the current CEO succession program will continue to go forward and develop on suitable candidates. So the question mark on the uh, management piece is settled for now. All right. So we're glad that's settled now. Now, in a moment, we're going to hear more about the outlook for the ag sector, as well as elders moving forward. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. All right, and we're back. So let's take a look at the ag sector and elders uh, moving forward and why are... Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN remain positive on the company and have been buying more. So the latest uh, ABARS data, fancy word for agricultural data, is coming out uh, that the indication will be soft in the summer months in terms of planting of summer crops in 2023-2024 will fall under expectations or below average due to rainfall for spring and summer. So the forecast for the 23-24 summer crop season is about 4.1 million tonnes, still above 10% averages, by the way, of 3.5 million tonnes. Um, but overall, the forecast and the value of agricultural production is to reach, you know, about just shy of 80 billion 
But that's down 14% from the record year we've had in the previous years of 2022 and 2023. So markets I guess, going to be softer for the outlook, right, Felicity? And and this is where, in my opinion, the company is really well run and they're doing the right thing, that they've downgraded its FY23 EBIT guidance due to these softer market conditions. The company now expecting FY23 underlying EBIT in the range of $165 million to $175 million. Really sensible forecast there. And that sort of sits within the market forecast of about 168 million. And we are sitting, Shore and Partners, our view is 160, 167 million, sorry. So for me to really kind of wrap this up and then pass the baton over to you, Elders is really prudent here and adjusting their earnings sensibly. In terms of valuation, Elders now trades at an FY23 PE ratio of 9.4 times. Yes, you heard that correctly for a blue chip cash generating business that is very cheap. And if you compare it to its peers, New Farm NUF is trading on about 14 times. Elders is now the fourth most shorted stock on the ASX with a position of around 9% short. That's up about 3.6% from June of 2023. Only two, three other companies, sorry, are more shorted. That's Flight Center, Pilbara Minerals, PLS and Sahara SYR. So we all know what happens in a short squeeze, right? And this may prove to be a very crowded trade as we head into Elders end of year financials update. So if they do deliver on their FY23 guidance, it could be an optimistic, you know, three-year turnaround and lookout. And I think um, hopefully the short squeeze happens and the shares go back up. Yeah, that's it. Hopefully the shortest <laughs> get squeezed out here. So to end on elders, what is the price target here? Well, I caught up with Philip Pepe, the analyst at Shaw, who covers the company. And this is what he had to say when I asked him this question. Philip, we're a few weeks out from their next earnings update or elders. So what can you tell us to expect and any comment on the recent share price volatility? Thanks, Candice. Yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be quite an interesting result coming up for elders. Um, the focus will be really on the outlook statement. Now, elders pushed together back-to-back three-year plans. And the September that just went by saw the end of its current year, three-year plan. So we expected to talk about what it aims to do over the next three years. And in fact, shortly after its FY23 results day uh, is released, they are actually hosting a two-day investor conference in South Australia to talk about the next three years. So I expect for them it'll be business as usual. Um, they can control what they can control. Current result, FY23 result will be in line with guidance. They typically don't give 12-month guidance at the time, but that's all good companies should focus on the medium term. So I expect them to uh, give some colour about what investors can expect from them over the next three years. And we actually think once all that extra information comes out, um, long-term shareholders should um, react positively to that news. You know, there you have it. I'm sticking with his thesis. You know, sure. So, Philip, um, his price target is $9, implying a 52% upside. Consensus a little bit lower at $7.27 per share, indicating about 22% upside. So, I still like the sector and ag overall. Um, Elders is a solid cash-generating business. Throughout all the cycles, it has delivered solid earnings. Stick with the name if you're there. So that's a wrap for me on Elders. All right, Felicity, what's your investable idea for this Autopad episode? Okay, so I have a few disclaimers to get through here before I can discuss my idea. Now, the first disclaimer is this stock is not 
under coverage at Shore and Partners. So it's based on my own personal portfolio and opinion. And my second disclaimer is I hold this stock personally and I have since 2020 and have been accumulating over the last three years. So my stock today is Weebit Nano and the code is WBT on the ASX. Now the market cap at the moment is around 770 million-ish. The 12-month high has actually been $9.03 with a low of $2.75 to $2.76, which is more recently. So there's definitely been some wild, wild movement in this share price. Now, there's a few reasons for this. Uh, One was the recent capital raise. I mean, in this type of market, when a company does raise capital, although it's usually, you know, it's a good thing because it means the company's going to have more capital on their balance sheet, stocks tend to get sold off. They didn't used to, but now they do. Uh, The second reason here is it did move to the ASX 300 index. So again, that's going to cause some wild movements. And now it's in the ASX 200 index. So again, additional movements. So what happens when a stock moves from the ASX 300, 200? Essentially, there's a lot more shorters that do come in to the market. To the play. Yeah. That's it. And you actually mentioned Elders is highly shorted, which Weebit is as well, but around 6%. Those The shorting is actually getting a little bit lower now because um, we've had a little bit of recovery in share price. But we we are trading at around, I think, $3.80, $3.90, $4-ish at the moment. And my last point here with regards to the movement, when a company moves from the ASX 300 to the ASX 200 and it's not a profitable business, the company doesn't actually have any real revenues right now, there's going to be some volatility, especially in this climate where money isn't free anymore. Of course, yeah. And that's just the nature of small caps and high growth businesses, right? So that makes a lot of sense. They're moving from uh, the small caps to the mid caps. Um, yep. So there is, a, and even actually to somewhat to the large cap when it was over a billion dollar market cap at one point. Exactly. So let's just pause here for a moment, just in case any listener has never heard of Weebit before. What do they do? Yeah, so Weebit Nano is a semiconductor technology development company. The company specializes in a non-volatile memory technology called resistive random access memory, RERAM, that has strong potential to replace flash memory technology, among other things. Now, just about every electronic device needs non-volatile memory to operate, and this is typically some form of embedded memory. Now, the non-volatile memory market is really at a critical point because standalone flash can't scale down below 40 nanometers, while embedded flash can't scale below 28 nanometers. Yes, that's a really good point. And Kobe, the CEO, really summed it up in terms of the importance of the non-volatile memory when we had him on the show. So let's just take a quick listen once again on what he had to say. Efficiency is measured in many different terms in uh, in the semiconductor world. You have speed, you have power, you have voltage, you have uh, a lot of different uh, parameters. Uh, it is uh, very important to have non-volatile memory. If you think about it, there are so many electronic devices that at a certain point you need to disconnect them from the power you know all of the all of the mobile devices the cell phone and wearables and whatever you know the battery runs out and you don't want all the data to suddenly disappear so it's very important that the memory retains the data and that's the big advantage of non-volatile memory 
So like Kobe said, there's a huge opportunity in reram. So I'll go into a little bit more detail why reram. It can perform 10 to 100 times better than flash. It has 100 times faster access time. It can withstand up to 350 times more radiation than flash. It's also a lot cheaper and has a lower power consumption levels and lower voltage requirements. And the primary reason why it's so exciting is it can scale down further. So we its reram has been taped out to 22 nanometers already and can likely be scaled down even further. So really in a nutshell, the technology and advanced modern society that we all live in have the need for what Weebit is excitingly doing in the tech space and they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So companies need to be com- continually innovating. <laughs> That's it. So That does sound exciting and very different agriculture. (laughs) So let's talk about the milestones and achievements so far. Yeah, so I'll give a brief little history since I think let's talk about since 2021 when they've really started to, you know, hit the ground running. So 2021, Weebit signed a deal with US listed semiconductor foundry Skywater, so the code is SKYT on the NASDAQ, to actually license its technology for embedded applications, integrate into customer designs and drumroll commercialization. Uh, now, Skywater has been essentially qualifying this technology. And then June this year, Weebit's reram IP was fully qualified in Skywater's S130 process. Now they look after markets like healthcare, automotive, industrial, aerospace and defense and consumer. So there's a lot of market segments where this technology can be used. Now October this month, so actually last week, they announced its second partner, the South Korean fab called DB Hitech, which is actually one of the world's top 10 foundries and South Korea's second largest foundry after Samsung. Now, it's important to highlight here that high-tech serves chip companies such as Intel, Sony, Mitsubishi, Meditech, NXP, Samsung, Texas Instruments, Infinon, Analog Devices, and Toshiba, as well as the car maker BYD and fabulous chip company Qualcomm. So I think this is a huge, huge achievement so far. So similar to the arrangement with Skywater, this deal includes technology transfer, qualification, and licensing, as well as the option to use Weebit's reram for other process nodes, such as the 180NM that DB Hitech is strong in. Yeah. Definitely. And I think listing off those important companies that, you know, heavily rely on these chip companies to only get more innovative is important, like Samsung and Mitsubishi. So that context has been a good background for us to understand as investors if we're interested in this company. But how will Weebit make money? That's it. So I did mention commercialization, right? And that we're coming into, I guess, a really a pivotal point for Weebit. So they'll focus on more of a licensing model. So Weebit will generate revenue in the form of license fees. So upfront as well as milestone payments, as well as a per unit royalty, which generally doesn't come until one to two years after. Now, industry standard is between one and a half to three percent here. They're also going to have a non-reoccurring engineering fees, so some lump sum fees in there, which will be good. Uh, I think what's really important to note here, although we're not at, we haven't seen the revenues come in, we're so, so close, but they also have a really strong balance sheet of 88 mil AUD as of the 30th of June. So I think they're really well funded to continue to execute uh, the company's development and commercialization plans. So yes, I can't go through the traditional metrics here, but we should see some revenues coming in within the next 12 
12 months. So really, to me, a wee bit's a long-term play in my portfolio. Yeah, and, and I think also as the market is looking at it and evaluating the risks, you know, it's only going to become more of a long-term embedded thematic also with the advance of AI and tech. So absolutely, let's talk about the reason for the buy you know, it's, it's, as you said, it's climbing up from small cap into medium to larger cap. So lay out the buy conviction for us. Yeah. So I think we like to look at the total addressable market, right? So the TAM is huge. The non-volatile memory market was worth US $74.6 billion in 2022. And it's expected to grow at 10.7% CAGR to actually reach US $124.1 billion by 2027, which isn't really that far away. Now, the embedded emerging NVM market is expected to amount to $2.9 billion by 2027. So that's a non-volatile memory market. And it's actually expected that RERAM will capture a 33% market share. So that's representing about $957 million. I think what's really interesting here is WeBit not only is targeting um, the segment of embedded memory, they're also starting to work on discrete memory. And what's really interesting is the neuromorphic computing. There's quite a few upcoming catalysts as to why I think WeeBit is a good buy right now after it's being sold off significantly. So there's additional commercial agreements and collaborations that I think uh, are on the horizon with other foundries and other integrated device manufacturers, so IDMS, uh, actually suspecting the company will have an other announcement before the end of the year. So any any day now, really. Um, now, any foundry competing with the global leader TSMC, which has its own RERAM technology, has few other commercially available options. So I do really expect Weebit to continue to attract interest from fabs, as well as IDMs and fabless chip companies. There's great progress in the discrete memory, which I mentioned earlier, and I did also say that I'm really excited about the neuromorphic computing. So a little bit about neuromorphic computing. A neuromorphic computer chip is any device that uses physical artificial neurons to do computations. So essentially a method of computer engineering in which elements of a computer are modeled after systems in the human brain and nervous system. Like, wow, I think that's extremely exciting and extremely interesting uh, to kind of watch and see how WeBid is a major player in this segment. Uh, there's going to be announcements of revenues. And I think another thing to look out for is the qualification with DB High Tech. Definitely. So lots of catalysts is what you're saying and a lot of trajectory and the long-term growth. So also looking at management and the board because it's important to have great people leading the company, right? Yeah, absolutely. They've got fantastic management, a fantastic board, which is so important. I really think there's endless opportunities here for WeBit with lots of upcoming catalysts, but you do really need to obviously be ready to hold on for a roller coaster of a ride. I mean, just look at the share price. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, looking at these current levels, like I said, great value. I think anything under $5 is a pretty good buy in my opinion, because that was the last capital raise. But if you can get it under $4, even better. You know, why I didn't pitch this earlier? Well, back when I was starting to buy, it was more of a speculative buy. But I think now that it's in the ASX 200 with real revenues very close in the not so distant future, um, you know, I can definitely say that it, you know, it's a buy more uh, for, for me. Uh, we also did have Kobe, though, on the podcast back in August 22. So you should listen to that episode to hear from the CEO and the man of WeBit himself. Yeah, that's a good point. Go back and wind back the clock to listen to the interview with Kobe. It was fantastic. So just to wrap it up, Felicity, what about 
any coverage or opinion on the street for Weebit. Is there any out there? Yeah, so there's only uh, one analyst, Pitt Street Research, and they've got actually a price target of $9.56 per share. So they're extremely optimistic about Weebit's growth. Extremely? Yeah, about its Weebit's growth potential and continue to believe that the company's valuation should be around 25 to 30% of eMemory's valuation. So eMemory is a well-established company with a market cap of approximately AUD $7 billion. And they think really that this is a good example of Weebit's journey and growth trajectory may look like in the future. So I think it's a really exciting company, uh, one to put on your watch list. Definitely. And as you said, there's a lot of addressable market. And if they can capture that 30 to 40% of market, it's a no-brainer. That's a wrap, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our order pad where we pitched and revisited Elders and a new idea being Weebit, but not so new for Felicity. We hope you enjoyed the show as always. Before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shrine Partners, as always, today's discussion does not constitute as personal financial advice. Go out and seek your own professional advice or reach out to us before you make your investment decisions. Yes, and feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which is displayed in our show notes below. And give us a follow at Talk Money To Me Podcast for daily market updates. Until next time. See you then. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 